Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, I'm recording this in advance and about something very different, um, because just the way it happened this year is that this lines up with Christmas Eve, and at least for me personally, there's a we do our big family thing traditionally on Christmas Eve, so I'm actually recording this on Wednesday and not Thursday. But if you're listening to this because you're not doing anything on Christmas Eve or you're not in America or any of that stuff, thank you so much for listening as you've probably been listening to um, a bunch of the other episodes like my episode on watching anime should be fun and um, also the episode I did on the wonderful, like, you should go check it out right now, um, Lupin the Third, the first movie, that the first, that the, um, Lupin movie, that is the one that, that's the one that's CG, um, I haven't seen, um, Goodbye Partner, although that's supposed to be really, really fucking good, um, but I look forward to seeing it after the universe cools a little from the holidays. But what I do want to talk about today is something that's been in the news a ton, but I want to talk about it from a different angle because it's been covered super negatively and I want to talk about it a little positively. And that is a certain video game you may have heard of called Cyberpunk 2077. Yesterday's body count lottery rounded out to a solid and sturdy 30. 10 out of Haywood. Thanks to unabated gang wars. One officer down, so I guess you're all screwed. Cause the NCPD will not let that go. Got another blackout in Santo Domingo. Netrunners are at it again, poking holes in the power grid. While over in Westbrook, trauma teams scraping cyber psycho victims off the pavement. And in Pacifica, well, Pacifica is still Pacifica. This has been your man, Stan. Join me for another day in our city of dreams. Now, unless you've been under a rock for the past, like, let's say like, since December 9th, you've kind of found, actually since like a week before December 9th, you've kind of found, you've heard of Cyberpunk 2077. And it's just, it, it's, it had become such a hot mess and such a, it is such a high profile failure. Not... But not in the way that you would think. If it had come out and everything had been as advertised, it would have been this amazing game. But as it stands, it... If everything... Let's just not get into the bug conversation. Because for many people, unless unless you're playing on a really high-end PC or you're playing on Stadia, I'm playing on Stadia for um, just... For reference, I'm playing on uh, I'm playing on Stadia on the um, Stadia Premier Edition, which is where they send you the fancy white controller and the Chromecast Ultra, and you stream it fr- from the internet. 
and it plays really well there because it's playing on like literally the best, the best computers Google has access to. It's just playing really well. Um, but for most people, it's unplayable, and it's it's not a shame for the kind of game it is. It is. A variant of a Grand Theft Auto game. It is a variant of um, Death of Death X games, and it is a variant of like Saints Row games. And generally speaking, I don't I don't play a lot of first person shooters because they usually require a lot of twit. They require a lot of like two handed hand eye coordination. That I just don't have like I I have change the way this game plays by basically deciding what if I was a cyber street samurai? <laughs> what if I was Alex in this world with a katana in a cyberpunk universe? And that is how I play this game. Usually, I, I literally like just a couple just a couple hours ago when I would in my last play session got a sniper rifle that just straight up like you can pull this thing out and you can just blast people in the next week and it's fine um and they don't get up and that's like oh this is gonna be a gun i use a lot okay cool um but before that i was basically as often as possible just straight up just I poured everything I had into the swords and blades, like, skill tree, and I just, like, walk up to people and I freaking, like, slice them down the middle. And that has become a fun way for me to play, because I'm like, I can can get in, (laughs) I can be the Chris Rock joke of, like, anybody can, any old coward can just shoot somebody. It takes a man to get up close to the stab. Um, but I really want it. But I, what struck me is what got me to play a Grand Theft Auto esque game because it really. This is really built on the platform that Grand Theft Auto built, so to speak. I, I uh, the thing that got me to play. Like, the first-person adventure, like, hyper-violent, weirdly over-sexualized, everything-in-the-kitchen-sink-of-problems game is the trappings. And the... So the thing that is... I think the most unique about cyberpunk is its narrative framing of the cyberpunk of cyberpunk fiction. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I, this could have been made in lots of other ways. It just could have been made in lots of other ways. You could sub everything, you could sub all the fancy um future Futurist techno babble stuff out for spells, and it would be functionally the same game, and you could reskin it 
with like a fantasy world, it would be function. It would just be functionally the same game. It's just the way it is. And whereas I and now that I have a, a Stadia Pro, I have a, a, a Stadia Premier setup. I have access to a lot more like high-end AAA games than I did with just a Nintendo Switch because I because I only have one hand. I started actually playing. Um, Cyberpunk on the PC, and it, it it was interesting enough for me to do it, but it sucked enough, but it sucked big time because there's no way you can make a keyboard and mouse work for one hand. It it it's just it's so hard. It is so fucking hard. But the thing that like like I said like I said before I slipped into a different thing. The thing that struck me is this was a vi- this was what entertainment should do. It should come to meet people outside of itself. And I, I read a thing that said like after after Cyberpunk had even after its um re- all of its returns it has still sold 13 million copies. It had 8 million pre had at least 8 million pre-orders. With this license, CD Projekt Red, the now, the now revealed to be and kind of always suspected to be, I bet, like, developer of this game has brought its has brought video games to a different set of people. To a set of people who are usually not in conversation with video games all the time. And what I mean... And also, by like... If you look at the E3 trailer that um, Xbox premiered in 2019, and if you look at all the like trailers, they're very clearly... They are speaking to a whole bunch of things. And... That paramedic um, mission, if you've seen that trailer, you can go look it up. Just type in Cyberpunk E3 2019 and you'll find it. That um, that paramedic mission is, like, one of the very first in the game. It's like, that is still in, that is still before the, the, um, oh, the, um, late opening, which is a actually really well done late opening, in that game, go, like, kicks off. And they put all of this stuff into this game, and this... But the most interesting parts of it are, and I think this is really right, the most human parts of it. Like uh, for me, the one of the most interesting, the most interesting characters in this game are just all female characters. Um, Judy is a great, interesting, complicated female character that I've run into that you'll run into pretty 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 quickly. Pan Am is just this person who has never. Is a person who thinks she's a good person and 
doesn't, but like, almost definitely isn't, has good intentions, but she's not a good person, and kind of as a result of those two things mixing, plus her just being a dumbass, she has never, she's never had like an experience in her life that moved her forward that wasn't also her being fucked over by the world. And she, it's just kind of, she, she is an interesting, fun female character who's like, take no shit, fuck off kind of character. And I, I always find that, I, I find that kind of character fascinating. And she, the way I would put her, put it is, she has this almost Revy-esque Revy from Black Lagoon as quality to her in that you get the sense that she has never had she has almost never caught a break and the people who think that they have given her breaks have really not uh, and the reason why I want to talk about a video game much like a video game that everybody's hearing every fucking pitfall about is because I wanted to it's because Cyberpunk is... Cyberpunk's the genre, not the video game. Is a... Is a unique genre of storytelling that is uniquely intertwined with anime and specifically Japanese culture. You kind of... It is... You can, but it is very hard to untangle Japanese culture from the concepts of cyberpunk. And a lot of that is because of the visuals used to inspire the kind of like mega city of the mega cities of cyberpunk of the cyberpunk um of cyber of the cyberpunk look and aesthetic. And one of the few things I think that the game gets right, and actually not one, there are lots of things that this game gets right, actually, but one of the things that I think the game nails is not only the, it's not only the look of that like overbuilt, overbearing, claustrophobic, mega city that they created in Night City that is, if you're playing on a high enough end a high enough end version like on Theta, pretty populated. Like it feels like there's people on the city on the city streets constantly. There are like design sequences where you like infiltrating a compound with a clue where it would make sense that nobody is because nobody should be hanging out around the megacorp like parade float storage unit basically which I just had to like rip through like a knife and plant a virus in because cyberpunk story was happening but it feels not only does that feel overbuilt and overbearing and claustrophobic and like like there you have almost no sense of privacy while while you're in night city it feels, N Night City feels the way 
Neo Tokyo feels in Ghost in in Ghost in the Shell. It has that same like, oh, you don't get to be alone here ever. And then you go to um you you, you go on the initial mission that introduces you to Pan Am and the um I forget the name of her like crew, but um they are basically um desert nomad people and as soon as like this this and they comment on and the character your character v comments on this when you after a while but you kind of notice it immediately once you are out of night city everything just kind of like all that nervous energy fades away but what you're greeted by is not like a peaceful, tranquil world. You're greeted by the other half of the cyberpunk like setting coin. And that is like massive satellite dishes everywhere. You know, power stations everywhere. And like the... There are great feelings of atmospheric, there are great atmospheric moments in this, in this game that feel like you're like in the middle of like an action sequence in Ghost in the Shell, or feel like you're in the middle of an action sequence in Bubblegum Crisis, or, you know, um, an, another newer cyberpunk anime like Akudama Drive. The, um, I think I took a video clip of it, actually. But there's this sequence where you are... There's a sequence that I inadvertently created where I decided, like, oh, I if there's nobody who technically owns in this, in this game, you can't steal cards and keep them. You get... You can either buy cards or, like, the game gives you a few vehicles along the way, like right now I have a motorcycle because Pan Am gave me a motorcycle. Um, but the game does this trick of... It, well, the, the game... It doesn't do a... Tr this isn't a trick. And it's definitively not a trick. But it... And it... It's, probably a bug but it adds to the feeling of like overwhelmed um insanity that happens that can happen very easily with technology i'm going to describe a um a scenario to you and you'll probably recognize it you are doing something important online and you've gotten like 18 tabs deep into whatever you're doing and you are lost and you don't know what to like hold on to what to let go of and it you just kind of like almost smoke starts pouring from your ears you're so like concentrated on this but you can't get any of it done it's, cyberpunk replicates that accidentally replicates that feeling with technology in the, like, onslaught of text messages and phone calls and, like, 
you know, notifications about enemies and notifications about stuff in the world. You have such this mass of stuff happening all the time that eventually your brain, like, categorizes it and figures it out and everything is fine. But for the first, like, couple hours, really, of this thing, you're lost in this sauce of just stuff. And I don't know if that was intentional, but it feels... It feels like you're adjusting to a new way of comprehending information. Like you're adjusting to trusting that your brain can take that much. In the same way that um, a, the major had to learn to use her prosthetic hand to fold paper cranes in that um, really excellent like two-episode two arc of... Um, Ghost in the Shell from the second season. And I don't, I'm not sure if Cyberpunk 2077 is a good, is a good game. I'm fairly certain it's not a great game. It's not written well enough to be great. But what it is, is it is a great I think on some level it's a great application of the form of cyberpunk. It it at its core understands things that people struggle with in terms of cyberpunk concepts. It understands digital consciousness. It gives a concrete way that the digital consciousness of that game the primary digital consciousness you deal with in that game um, exists and is allowed to exist. And when you look at something, I know this isn't developed by Hollywood, this isn't made by Hollywood, but when you look at something like um, the Ghost in the Shell movie that came out in 2017, the live action one, the Scarlett Johansson one, the one that was bad, they... They took bits and pieces from that entire from that entire franchise across the entire thing all the way through. I you can actually go listen to a conversation with um, my cousin Danny about the live action Ghost in the Shell movie where he just like loses his mind slowly over that thing because he's like, What why did they why did they go from this to this? And I had to like sit him down I had to like stare him dead in his eyes and go like Okay, Danny, what you need to understand is they knew they were only getting one shot at this motherfucker. So, they took from every single part of the series, but kept none of the connective tissue of, like, this is how this, of this is how this works. A lot more that of Ghost in the Shell than we probably, than any of us probably realize is devoted to making you, the audience, understand the technology you're dealing with. Because the technology of Ghost in the Shell is super high concept. But it's all spoken about in that show in ways that you understand it, in ways that 
ground it for you as a person. And in ways that, like, if you can't understand it, you understand the concept and consequences of that concept. And there is a skill in fiction of explain of having the opportunity to use really big words to explain stuff but not doing it and that humanizes the technology of the world and it, cyberpunk 2077's most best moments are when they humanize the most like insanely over over um over augmented characters like they humanize um uh Takeda the um one of the one of the um main quest like quest givers and you like see this like honorable Japanese bodyguard guy by the way spoilers alerts for Cyberpunk 2077, if you haven't figured that out. Um, and you see, and like, you look at him, and he's got like, white as fucking paper eyeballs, and like, his entire neck is replaced with like, cybernetic implant robotics, of, of like, prosthetics, and it doesn't phase you. Because you're not de like the si the the biggest secret about telling a good cyberpunk story is it's not about the technology it's about the people and when you start to be about the technology more than the people you just you lose the connection that people have to the cool tech stuff. Um, if you look at, if you look at, uh, Ghost, the live action Ghost in the Shell from 2017, that's where you really start to lose it. It's not, like, the, there is a cohesive story in there. They are so obsessed and fetishistic about showing you the tech that it doesn't, showing you the tech and trying to explain their way into all that stuff, that it doesn't... it doesn't feel the same. One of the things that makes Ghost in the Shell as a property work across all its iterations, some better than others, is that it's always focusing in on all of the characters, on all of the cast. It is never focusing it, and if it focuses in on technology, it's only to like, give you a window into the main cast. I, it, and that's really the genius of it, and that's... That's one thing that I think that it's successfully carried through in Cyberpunk 2077, and really why I wanted to talk about it here is because it... It is in conversation just by the nature of what it is and the kind of storytelling it's doing with Ghost in the Shell, with Bubblegum Crisis, with, um, with 
even something like um, Akadama Drive or any of the other great cyberpunk anime series because it is it is it is using that language using that visual style um i think i think that they definitely tried to be really to do their own thing and avoid things like they don't have a gun arm in this like the one from ghost in the shell standalone complex that the maid has they don't have certain things. I haven't seen think tanks, although I think one might be coming up, honestly. And it... It has this... It has all the trappings of a world I would spend time in. But what it also does, and I think this is really important, it... it the problem with Ghost and Shell is that you have to it's really hard to write a new character into Ghost in the Shell. You can always write, like, and they have done it successfully, but it's really hard to have a self-insert character in there with a ton of success because so much of that show, and so much of a lot of cyberpunk shows, are about, like I keep saying, the characters, their internal lives, thus their, and also their relationships as a result of that, and it's, so, what I think Cyberpunk 2077 adds to the landscape of cyberpunk media is it adds a variant of a story you can tell about yourself in the deep dark cyberpunk future. And it also, it, this is not a story about, like, people with full prosthetic bodies and all this other stuff. This is, a, this is still the messy, cybernetic future of something like um, Battle Angel Alita. And that's really, if you're looking for something that feels like cyberpunk, but you don't want to play the game because you don't have an opportunity to play it, on, in like a playable state, so to speak, and you're still looking to get that fixed, I would strongly suggest you go check out Battle Angel Lita because it has the same... It, it's in... If you looked at like a Cyberpunk timeline, Battle Angel Lita and Cyberpunk 2077 are along the same... are like in the same date range... And the reason why I say that is because um, near future stuff is already happening. Like, we all already carry around personal computers. We all already have the ability to talk to somebody in our own heads. It, it, we all have personal assistance. That's, that's already here. What's not here is the next tier. What's not here is, I can't get my bad arm replaced with a good arm. I can't do this. I can't do that. Uh, and Battle Angelita, like Cyberpunk, is at the point at which there is physical, heavy, 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 beyond what, like, putting microchips in your wrist or whatever, physical 
modification, like to the dude with a metal with like a metal torso in that thing. Battle Angel Alita herself is all but entirely inorganic, and that's what that's the world of cyberpunk. That's what it. Now it stumbles having a conversation about that and the and the world of disability certainly, not just physical but mental, and I think. I think the thing that Cyberpunk tries to do and Ghost of Shell tries uh, effectively has a conversation about is like bodily autonomy, um, disability, disability, you know, like re religious rights and all that stuff. Like the third episode of Standalone Complex is about a about a um, mecha tank designer who upload who after he dies has his assistant upload his consciousness into a tank so he can go visit his parents one last time because his parents were religiously against cyberization like anything but the minimum cyberization for you know work and life in that universe and. Cyberpunk 2077 doesn't try, at least as far as I've seen, doesn't try and have that conversation, but it does say, hey, you know, if you get too many implants, if you're so, the way I would put it is, if you are so unlucky to be born so disabled that you can't function in the world, and you get, have to basically have 75% of your body replaced, you may just go insane. And start hating human beings, and that's the, like I look at that I'm like why are we doing this? Why why are we why are we conflating this horse shit? But there is so there is so much cyberpunk media, and but the thing that it, cyberpunk media because it has until until not until now but until video games really approached it haven't been things where a whole lot of user uh, not a whole lot of viewer insert is possible like cyberpunk media by and large is about even a lot of video games is about specific people's stories it is contextualized and seen through the lens of spe very specific named focus characters. And I think that if there's anything that's, that 2077 does exceptionally well is that it allows you to be you in that in a cyberpunk setting and explore how you feel about that stuff in a way that like um um i'm watching that i'm watching that anime uh that jet skiing anime that um came out last year in like uh, late october but um i'm watching that jet ski water fight water gun fight fan service anime that is just a lot of shaking boobs on screen honestly like a frankly sometimes uncomfortable amount um, but it, 
it makes the point of there not being a male character because it knows what its target age, what its target age group and demographic is, and they want you to to imagine that you are the guy watching all this. There are tons of um, anime, including um, really the best example I can think of right now of this is uh, that's not hentai is um, my daily life with monster girls where the protagonist is for all intents and purposes nameless. Like they say his name once to have like narrative cover but then never again. He's given a pet name and you are encouraged to be a self insert to to use him as a self insert. But Cyberpunk hasn't had much of that outside outside of video games. There's lots of video games where you get to be like cool cyberpunk person. But the thing it really hasn't had is a exploration of that in video games at this price, at the the amount that it costs to create this. And yes, Cyberpunk is an absolute dumpster fire. It is stunning the the and it should probably be clear to everybody um in retrospect, but in retrospect, the amount of space between what was promised, what you felt was promised, and what was and what was delivered is wild. I don't. There's a whole parts of this game I just don't involve my. I haven't involved myself with because it's not. What's the word? It's not. It would be it would be a lot of effort to in like a video gamey effort thing and the way I've been playing it, it I'm playing it in a way that feels very organic and very and like Mike I feel like this character is a lived in experience and that's my directing of the way I wanna play the game. But it the way it would pitch to people was that's not going to be the experience here. You you are going to have this amazing experience where no matter what you do, it will feel like that. And it just doesn't. And I... I mostly wanted to do this because I've been dumping hours in this. I think I played like 30 hours or something. I don't think I'm done with the game, close to done with the game because I play slow and I tinker and all that stuff. But I will say I... Um, I, I am having fun with it on some level because, like I said, I don't play these games all the time, so playing any of them is a fun, interesting concept to me, um, but I want to talk about it because the, like, cyberpunk genre is is so mixed into anime from a very, very, very early point in anime's history. And on that note, I know this has been more of a Sunday-esque episode, but give me a break. It's Christmas, and I want to talk about what I want to talk about. So if you like this episode, um, you can... Uh, subscribe to me and whatever you can listen to me right now. Um, if you 
if you like this podcast enough, I would encourage you to share it with your friends and family. Be like, hey, there's this guy. Talked about a video game this time, but usually talks about anime on the internet. Go check him out. Um, and until Sunday, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I'll talk at you soon.